So today, for our fourth Sunday of stewardship, we're going to be hearing from the words of Paul in his letter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So I invite you to follow along in your own personal Bible or listen to the word uh, as it is read. And it's also going to be on the screens behind me. So 2 Timothy, 2 chapter, verses 1 through 10. You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me through many witnesses and trust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. And in the case of an athlete, no one is crowned without competing according to the rules. And it is the farmer who does the work who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in all things. And remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when I think back in my life, I think back about people who have poured into me, who have taught me, who have mentored me, okay, people that I learned great things from. And so when I do that, it's easy to think about your teachers you've had in your life because you have a lot of teachers that you, if you went through 12 years of school plus any college work or anything like that, you've had a lot of teachers teach you things and some of them will stick in your mind even to this day, decades later, whatever lessons they taught you, whether it was in the classroom or just life lessons they shared with you from their perspective. So it's easy to think about some of those teachers. But it also can be someone in your family, right? It can be that parent figure or that grandparent figure or that aunt or that uncle or whatever that taught you how to cook this recipe or how to fix this or do that, okay? So you can think back of many people who have taught you things. When I look back in my life and look at the most impactful lessons that I learned from people, it comes from somebody that I was partnered to work with at one of my very first jobs, okay? I did a maintenance job for a season of my life, and it was outside maintenance. It was tennis maintenance. Who would have thought that tennis courts would have to be maintained? But they do. They do have to be maintained. Someone's got to take all the trash off the courts after league night. Someone's got to fix all the windscreens. Someone's got to, if there's clay Rubico courts, those are the sand courts. You've got to maintain and water and level them. And all kinds of things go into the maintenance of outside stuff. Well, I was partnered to work with a guy that was probably in his late 40s, okay, bachelor guy. His truck that he drove was totally opposite of how I would keep my car, but it was full of just tools and whatever he had, he'd just use it as a trash can. But I asked him, I said, you know, why is your truck so messy? Why, where, how can you find your tools and things of that? He said, oh, I know exactly where these are, okay? But if someone wanted to come and, like, steal from my car and want the good tools, they will have to hunt for them because they don't know where they are. If I had it in the actual toolbox, that's where they would go first, right? And I'm like, well, I guess that's logic. So they wouldn't go to the toolbox then. But he just had this interesting way of looking at life, okay? And so in the summertime when I would work with him, I would work seven or eight hours outside with this man. And his name, of course, of a good, of a good trainer and maintenance, his name was Butch. 
So we called him Butch, and Butch was my trainer over the summers on how to maintain maintenance and tennis courts and do all that kind of stuff. Well, the reason why I say he actually taught me some of the more important life lessons is because when you're fixing things, that kind of stays with you, right? It's always good to know how to, you know, drill a hole, pre-drill a hole so when you put the real screw in there, it doesn't split the wood. And all these little things that you have to think about when you're repairing stuff around the house or outside, how to mend a fence, all these things, I learned from him. I learned all these handyman tricks from Butch, working with him over the summertime. And for me, in my life, what he taught me, I still carry to this day. And one of the things that he taught me that was the most important thing was never be afraid to try and go and fix something. Now, that's sometimes, you know, that's, that's pretty good logic for me because a lot of times when you need to go fix something, you don't even want to touch it. You don't even want to learn how to fix it. You want to either call somebody else in or whatever. You're afraid you're going to mess it up. He taught me everything's fixable when it comes to maintenance stuff. Yeah, you might screw it up, but you're going to learn from your screw-up, and you're going to learn how to fix it right afterwards. Don't be afraid to try something. So I've tried a lot of things before. Sometimes I've really messed up. Story here at the church, we just got one wall freshly painted, and we needed to hang a picture. And I said, I got this. I'll find the stud and whatever. Well, the stud wasn't in the center of the wall. And I said, I got this. We've got an anchor. This anchor should hold the picture. Let me put the hole in this freshly painted wall, put the anchor in there. See, I'm not afraid to try that picture. Slides down wall. Hole gets big. And so there again, I was like, I messed up. But I'm not afraid to fix my mistakes and plaster over it, sand it, and repaint it. But that lesson for me was real important. What Butch taught me over the summers, he poured into me. And so when it came my turn at my job, as I got older and more experienced, I would train other people how to take care of the tennis courts, how to do windscreens, how to take out the trash, how to fix the clay courts, how to do all these outside projects that I learned from Butch. And I carry those lessons with me today. So when we think of somebody that's taught us, you know, we, we think of very different people and what they have taught us. But why as well? Well, when we look at this letter here from Paul, Paul is writing to Timothy, somebody that he is teaching, somebody he is pouring into, somebody that he's mentoring and molding, okay? And so he writes these letters to Timothy to give him encouragement, to teach him, to even ask him questions and things of that nature, and so this letter is particularly important if anybody knows anything about the letters of Paul. But 2 Timothy is believed to be the last letter that Paul wrote. Okay? Well, why is that? Why is Paul's last letter 2 Timothy? What happened to Paul? Well, <clears throat> Paul gets arrested at least twice that we know of and goes to Rome where he is going to be tried. All right? This time around, though, Paul, when he's arrested in Rome waiting for his trial, we don't hear any more from him, which leads us to believe that he was executed after this prison sentence. There was a time when the emperor Nero set fire to parts of Rome. It was kind of his way of cleaning out the slums, and he burned a lot of poor areas. But then people got angry about it, so who did he blame? He blamed the Christians and used them as the scapegoats. And they believe Paul got wrapped up and arrested during all this mayhem of people mad at Christians thinking they burned these slums of Rome when really it was Nero, the emperor at the time. But he is sitting in prison writing this letter to somebody that he is teaching, somebody he is mentoring, okay? And there's a good reason why. Not just because it's his last letter, but there's a good reason why. 
So let's look at this letter and this verse is here. So the first thing that Paul tells Timothy in this, in this passage here, it says, You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus. He's giving him encouragement to be strong. Paul gives Timothy multiple, multiple verses of encouragement in his letters. Maybe Timothy needed the extra encouragement. Maybe Timothy was facing extraordinarily difficult circumstances in where he was ministering. But Paul would always be encouraging Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is of Christ Jesus. Be strong, my child. Hold firm. Hold fast. Have hope. He would do this often with Timothy, okay? And so then it goes into what you have heard from me through many witnesses and trust of faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. This is the key part of what we're looking at today. This is one of the key parts. Of what you have heard from me through many witnesses and trust of faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Okay? And so... Right here, we know that Timothy has heard Paul preach. Timothy has been directly taught by Paul. He has heard this through many witnesses. And so when Paul's writing this letter, he doesn't say, take all that wonderful information I had given you, lock it in a nice little box, and keep it all to yourself, all right? And so when you die, it all dies with you. No. No, that's not why he is telling Timothy that. He's telling Timothy to say, look, and trust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. It's important for Timothy to pass on this knowledge to faithful people. Well, why? Well, it's so because others can learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So others can learn about the Messiah fulfilling the law. So that we today can hear this message and use this message and share this message, okay? Paul is telling Timothy, hey, take what you've seen, what you've heard, and share that and teach it to entrusted, faithful people. You know, if you look at church today, you know, and if you look at the roles of the pastors and things of that nature, our job is to structure and order the local church, okay? Our job is to be the chief theologians of the church to share that to the congregation, okay? to structure the congregation for leadership, to share the theology and the study of God so that they can learn it, right? But then at that point, once the pastors do that part and the church is receiving the word, they're studying the word, they're doing Bible studies, they're being structured and doing missions and taking care of the business of the church, once all that starts happening, then what's the church's role in all of that? Once they've been given this knowledge and they're acting on this knowledge, just like how Timothy was given the knowledge and started to act on the knowledge... What's the next step? It's for the church then in turn, on their own, continue to share that message without the pastor having to push them along. It is for the congregation and all of you as ambassadors of Christ to take what you have learned, what you've discerned, and go out and use it. But then you in return can share and teach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, that may seem like a big, scary job because some people think, oh, no, when I have to teach something, i got to do all this preparation, and what if I say something wrong, or what if I don't know the answer, you know, or what if I just really screw this up, you know? And, and look, I'm, I can't run a classroom. I'm afraid to be in front of people, but that's not necessarily the only way you can teach, right? There are also other teachable moments within your faith journey. You can befriend somebody, 
and go and serve a community together. Y'all can go and sign up for Christ's cupboard and take a meal together. That's sharing. That's showing discipleship. That's showing how to serve others. You know, you can be part of the prayer ministry and work on the Stations of the Cross and the prayer vigil over Lent and bring somebody along with you as you do that to help you. And then they learn about the importance of prayer through serving with you. There are many, many, many ways that you as the church can teach without having to be in a Sunday school room teaching. But yet we do need good Sunday school teachers. So if you feel led to do that, please do that. Okay? But... Please, yes, as said from one of the solo youth Sunday school teachers over here, all right, and he'll tell you it's not all scary, it's very doable, all right, and so you can do that, okay? I'm sure Miss Laura's got plenty of kids' classes that you can teach, uh, and there's plenty of adult classes as well that we're trying to square away with teachers. So there are formal ways to teach and do that, but also how you love one another, how you serve one another, how you have church together, and then you bring other people along and share that, you are teaching them. You are teaching them. And one of the, the greatest joys, if you ask any teacher or anybody that leads in a church setting or helps show others how to do ministry, what they'll tell you is that they also, just by sharing and teaching and inviting, they're learning and growing as well. You know, when I taught a lesson, or whenever I preach or whatever, and I go and I do my studies, I'm getting smarter. I'm learning something new every time. I'm growing as I do that as well, getting ready to share it for others. So when you prepare yourselves to teach or to serve or whatever, you're also still learning, and you're still growing, and you're still sharing and, and making disciples. But the goal is, the biggest goal is, is that you equip others to go and do the same. That's how you grow the church. That's how you spread the gospel message. It's just like this beautiful fall fest we have outside. Okay, It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if we just keep it to ourselves, and if we don't learn how fall fest works and how this is actually a great way to invite unchurched people or people who haven't been to church in a while to come and hang out and see what the church family is all about, if we don't do that, then what's the purpose of it, right? Really, what's the purpose of it? Yeah, it's fun, but if we don't use that as a tool to teach and to reach out into our community, then what are we doing? That's one of the main reasons why we put it on the front yard. It's so our community can see Fall Fest, and for folks who just need that little nudge, that little help just to step right back into a church, that could be it, right? We're sharing that. We're offering that. We're doing that for the community. And so here, going all the way back to Paul, telling Timothy, he says... You need to take what you've heard from me and through the many witnesses and entrust faithful people who will go out and teach others as well. To teach others as well. There's been no greatest joy in my life than to see students that I've taught and uh, kids in the youth group that I was the youth minister for grow up to be adults and they themselves become leaders in churches and schools and in their jobs and in their families. It's very rewarding. And sometimes you don't see all the impact that you have. And that's okay too. But yet it's so important that we don't skip over that part that we're all in our own way called to teach and to share the gospel message. It's not just reserved for your pastors and Sunday school teachers, right? Now, if you don't feel equipped, then you need to be mentored. You need to be taught a little bit more. And that's what the church is for as well. But it's never, never too scary to not try. It's never, ever too scary to not try and go out there and teach. And so as Paul continues to encourage 
Timothy, he also says this. He says, make sure that you're aware that you are going to share in some of the suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. A soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. And as the case of the athlete, no one's crowned without competing unless they follow the rules. And it is the farmer who does the work who ought to have the first share of the crop. So you get to these passages here in 4, 5, and 6 where he's talking about individual roles, right? Individual people and roles. And that, you know, there's going to be some trials, okay? But as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, as you go through these trials, okay, hold faith to the truth. Make sure you're continuing to follow what I have taught you and what Jesus has taught you during these trials. Because guess what? An athlete that doesn't follow the rules doesn't win, okay? A soldier that gets involved in everyday affairs loses the focus of the commanding officer for who us is Christ Jesus, right? For those who are the farmers, farmers is, is hard work, right? But when you put in the hard work, there you share in the first crop. You see the fruits of your labor. So what Paul is reminding Timothy is to have courage to teach and share others what you've learned, but also remember there's going to be trials ahead, but stay focused. Stay focused on what you are called to do. And so Paul is writing this with intensity because he is literally chained. As he uses that reference of being chained, he is writing this letter chained in a jail awaiting his trial, knowing that he may not write another letter. And so that's why he is writing with urgency. And he said this, he said, remember that Jesus Christ raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that is my gospel. He said, if what I have been preaching is boiled down to this. This is what you can share with your trusted men. Two things. Number one, know that Jesus is a descendant from heaven. He fulfills the prophecies in that way. Know that truth. Don't let anybody say anything different. And then two, Christ Jesus is raised from the dead. He is the resurrected Christ. He defeated death. And we will all share in that victory with him. We will all share in that resurrection with him. So don't forget it. Preach that. Stay focused on that. That has been my gospel that I now share to you, Timothy. And so what we are to do as the congregation of the future from this writing of the letter is that we are to still share that same message through how we live, how we act, how we're in relationships and what we say and what we teach. That we drive the focus that Jesus fulfills all the prophets of the laws. He is directly connected with what the Old Testament was talking about when it says Messiah. But then also remember this, that he is resurrected. Every day we celebrate his resurrection. Not just on Easter Day. We celebrate his resurrection because what that means for us is that when we thought death had won on the cross, that Jesus was dead in the tomb and not coming back, we were wrong. The devil was wrong. Jesus was resurrected. He defeated death. And what that means is that he is the true Messiah. He's not the Messiah of the political armies that will go over and take over the kings of now, but he is the Messiah that has defeated evil and defeated death on the cross. And we get to share in that. While we are not worthy, while we don't deserve to share in that, we get to share in that. And guess who else gets to share in that if they accept that fact? Those out there that aren't here today. Those that may not know the gospel message those that are seeking something, they can share in that, but we have to bring out the word and invite them and get them into our faith communities. We have to show them the love and grace. We have to teach them what Scripture says so they can see the truth and accept what Jesus has done for them.
That is what we are called to do. And so Paul here in this letter is encouraging Timothy, but he's also encouraging us. He says, for which I suffered hardship even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Like I said, he is chained. He's literally chained as he's writing this letter. But he says, remember, but the word of God is not chained. You can't contain that. You cannot contain the word of God. And so therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect so that they may also obtain the salvation that is Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Therefore he endures it so other people can have that message of salvation. We endure those challenges so that others can hear the message of salvation and share in that. We do that for a cause. And it's going to be hard. There's going to be trials, but we are to be strong. We are to be steadfast. We are to not waver. And in times of tough, we have our God and we have each other. We have our communities to lean on. And so for the season of stewardship, you know, and with this particular passage here, you know, we, we look at and why we do what we do. Church is not just a box that you just check off the list. Okay, Sunday morning worship, check. All right, next, lunch, check. All right, what's next? Grocery shopping, check. No, church is not one of those things that you just check off. Or you just go and say, I, I, I go on this mission trip just to tell my buddies oh, how cool I am because I go on this mission trip. No. There's a deeper reason why we do what we do. There's a deeper reason why we serve. Or there's a deeper reason why we teach. Okay? It's because we're called to do so and we're called to be in these relationships with one another. And we are called to share that message and not just keep it to ourselves. Future generations need to hear that they are loved. Future generations need to hear that they are created in the image of God. Because if they don't hear that from the church, society is going to tell them whatever they want to tell them. To sell them whatever product they want to sell them. But the church has to stand strong and teach on the principles of what Jesus Christ is. On that gospel message that Paul shared. That Jesus is a descendant of David. He fulfills the Old Testament and that he is resurrected, that he's defeated death. He is our Messiah. That is what we share to the world. 